Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Stagecraft is brought to you by the Geffen Playhouse. At once humorous and heartrending, Ironbound spans 22 years to tell the story of Darsha, a Polish immigrant getting by on a cleaning job, aggressive pragmatism, and sheer will. A New York Times critic's pick, Ironbound features Tony Award nominee Marin Ireland reprising her off-Broadway role alongside Josiah Banya, Christian Camargo, and Marcel Spears, now on stage through March 4th. Tickets and more at geffenplayhouse.org. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, taking you in-depth and behind the scenes with the biggest stars on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'll be talking to Leia Salonga, the Broadway favorite who was a young actor and singer on stage, TV, and film in her home country of the Philippines before she shot to international fame as the original Kim in Miss Saigon. Since then, she's had a wide-ranging career as a recording artist, a concert and cabaret performer, a TV personality, the voice of a Disney princess or two, and a regular presence on stage in New York and around the world. She's currently starring on Broadway in the critically acclaimed new revival of Once on This Island. Liz in the studio to tell us all about her Broadway return, her new album, Bahagari, the video game she's currently playing, and more. Hi, Leah. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. So... Once on this island is up and running, and it got pretty spectacular reviews. I can't how's, complain. Yeah, <laughs> how's it going on your end? Oh, it's going fantastic. Everybody is having a really wonderful time, and I think that we've settled into a really nice groove. Um, we are definitely out of the preview period, which can sometimes feel unsettled and because things are changing exactly because things are constantly changing and you don't know if what went in the previous night is going to stay or you're going to get the news that it's going to to change 
So we always, it's, there's just this part of my brain that's always like at the ready for whatever. Um, but then there's also a part of me that just wants things to have the opportunity to settle. And the good thing about our preview period was that once things kind of were done, as far as Michael Arden was concerned, the director and of Michael course, Arden. yes, yeah. and of mm-hmm. course, and his entire design team, once everybody had declared that they were done, um, then we were finally able to settle. And I think the first night that we were told that our show was frozen, meaning nothing else was going to come in, yep. that was our first press night. Right. So that, that came with an additional amount of stress. But I didn't know it was our first press night until oh. it was over. And then they said, oh, is, yeah, all these people came in. And then I saw... Is it better you know, that way? Um, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I, I think for me, it's fine either way. If I know, great. If I don't, great. Um, and because I have some friends who, are, who work in some of the more popular Broadway websites... Right. And I got to see the face of one of them. And he you was, can definitely we were, see everybody's faces in this little theater that you're in, not, right? Not as well as you might oh, think, oh, really? despite the size. Um, and I usually, if I'm in like game mode on, um, there are people that I will be able to spot. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda came, but I knew where he was going to be sitting. Mm. So I actively sought him out. Mm. Um and was able to play with him a little bit during our pre-show. And yes, we have a pre-show. Yep. And there are people with whom I will definitely toy with. And some of us <laughs> stress, and some of us on, on stage or in the sand, we will find somebody that is a friend who's another actor. And this happened with Jennifer Paz, who played Kim on the first national tour of Miss Saigon. Oh, wow. And she had done it regionally after... Her stint on the tour was over. So a few of the people in our company had done the show with her, either regionally or on the national tour or in whatever production. So once I pointed out she was there and I knew exactly which ones, which of the actors were her friends, they were, they would just, you know, play with her. And, and, it's and what does that and mean? Becomes, what does that entail? Tell me about what it playing does, with Sometimes someone. it requires zero physical contact. Mm-hmm. But it means all the eye contact in the world, and we're in character, and we're in dialect, but we're allowed to engage the audience. And she starts hiding behind her plate. <laughs> do you do you enjoy that the pre-show part of it? Because, I actually do. Yeah. It's it's a great way because, with and, the exception ooh, actually, of actually, let's describe for listeners who okay. haven't seen it. So it's like sure. There's like as you said, it's not a stage; it's sand, uh-huh. and uh, it's you're in the round mm-hmm. and the audience is basically on top of them and occasionally oh, yeah. you know if you wanted to you could go into the aisles and which sometimes you do oh, we do um, and sometimes and we are and staged. i mean you actually sing in the aisle as i recall oh, Am yeah. I, remembering I, that do. Right? Yeah, I do yeah, i do yeah. i sing in the yeah. aisle um i'm usually in front of somebody right. i am most definitely obscuring somebody's view right for 90 minutes <laughs> meaning there is a part of the stage that for as long as i'm on in the aisle or sitting on my perch, or anywhere around there, they're going to get obstructed view, as in obstructed by actor wearing a mess of Ethernet cables in her head. Yep. yep. So yeah, you've got a headpiece. It's true. I, I we should also a, say yes. We should. <laughs> it's it's worth it's worth talking about. Kid Ramos, our costume designer, really was able to take the let us incorporate all of these items that could be found after a storm into 
these costumes. And John Bertels of Bash the Trash, and Bash, Bash the Trash mm. created musical instruments for everybody in the company out of, out of trash. Old cardboard, cardboard rolls and tin cans at either end and aquarium pebbles mm. to make, and, and, and screws uh, to make rain sticks, for example. Or rattles, or you know, old bottles of glue to make shakers, and it it makes for a really fun and immersive and interactive experience, not just for the audience, but also and also for the actors. And everybody is just everyone feels like they're a part of the show rather than watching it. Right. I can't imagine that Once on this Island was a show you ever thought you'd be in. I know. Neither did I. Ooh. And Never so, thought of it. So how did it come to you, and how surprised were you when, Very. when it did? Um, extremely. And I'm, I'm, I'm still shocked at, why, why am I still here? <laughs> why am I in this show? Um, but that is, I guess it's Michael Arden, and I guess he had a vision for what he wanted the show to be. And for the gods, he wanted to be able to break stereotype, break gender boundaries, break racial boundaries. However... There is still this rule. Everybody on that sand is a person of color. Everybody. Right. Um, even in the pit. Even our oh. musical director, our associate conductor, our assistant conductor, our guitar player, our bass player, and our drummer. Hmm. Everybody on the sand in that show in a costume is a person of color. Hmm. And I'm very proud to be a part of it. As for how this little Asian girl got to the island... <laughs> And and I I would keep asking how how did I get here? What was and what were the what was the means for for me finding myself here? And then I saw my costume design. Right. I am a nurse mm-hmm. with a Doctors Without Borders badge on my shirt. Yep. And then the minute I saw it, like no explanation needed. I totally understand. And just how th- this global community has become such a global community with immigration and travel, and not just within the United States, but outside in other countries. It's, you know, certain countries have become less homogenous than they ever were, which is kind of sweet. So my face <laughs> in this show is is not something that would be seen as weird. I'm happy about that. Yeah. I get to sing this wonderful song. I get to be part of this show. It's like, this is, I, I could not have asked for a better gig. When do you decide what brings you back to Broadway? What, what is the thing when you, what is a show that, that, what is it about shows that get you back? I think I just have to get hit in the gut. And if there's something important that the show is trying to say, then I feel like I'm compelled to be a part of it. It's not like, oh, the music is pretty. Oh, I love the score. There there has to be something deeper. There has to be something beyond the beauty of of the material. And so Um, what for you is this production of Once on the Silent saying? It's about people's resilience. It's about rebuilding. It's... It's it's kind of it's like I mean I come from an island nation. I come from the Philippines. And 
the stuff that happens on the island is a fact of day-to-day life at home. So for me to kind of be able to be a part of a story that is lived on the daily um, without necessarily saying, oh, yeah, this happens in my country, um, it felt important for me to be a part of. And your last Broadway show was Allegiance a couple seasons ago. Yes, what, uh... and it's going to make its L.A. premiere very soon. Oh, is yeah. that? Um, yeah. Because that show actually, uh, I do know um, a recorded version of that show has found quite a bit of popularity around the country in yes. cinemas, right? Yeah. Like, like it's the been... last time they showed it in the cinemas was on Pearl Harbor Day, was on December 7th. Yeah, yeah. yeah that date will never be erased from my mind now. Yeah. And so tell me tell me about that experience and what what it did that was important, that what story it was telling that was important for you to participate in? Um, here's the thing. I married into a Japanese-American family. My husband, well, he's, his father is Chinese, his mother is Japanese-American. And so it felt very personal to be a part of it because he had members of his family that served on the 442. Um, and oh, so, we should yeah. say that Allegiance was a musical about the, uh, the Japanese-American experience in, yep, in, internment, in, World, War in World War II. Yeah. And I got to be a part of a fictional family that got interned uh, to Heart Mountain Camp in Wyoming. And the story about the character that I got to play was that she played, she was a very traditional Japanese-American woman who, after the death of her mother, had to then become the mother figure the cooker, the, the cook, the cleaner, the one base, the one who was very responsible and instrumental in raising her younger brother. Um, and all he wanted to be was a soldier and be able to fight for his country in the war. But when his country turned on him because of what happened in Pearl Harbor, which we could then also compare to what happened on 9-11 all mm-hmm. those years ago, all of a sudden... An entire group of people was marginalized and vilified for for that one deed when they had nothing to do with it. And it sounded it sounds all too familiar. Where does Broadway stand on diversity these days? How are we doing? What's in your experience? Particularly, you've seen a change over the years. So that, what's, yeah, I mean, there is it? change. Yeah. And I mean, there are going to be these fits and spurts where they're going, there's going to be a season where it's like, like Hamilton, which is going to be like crazy. Yeah. Where you have so many shows, because Hamilton and Allegiance were in the same season, so that was a big blip. Um, I think the color purple was in that season too. It was a very, it was a very, very diverse season. So yeah, that that's going to be a major blip and in the positive in a positive direction. But seasons like that are not always going to happen. It's going to come in, you know. But I think the the overall trend is that Broadway has become more diverse. That Broadway is looking to people of color, not just because, oh, it's, it's it would be politically correct and it would be stunt casting to put this person into the show, but more of, yeah, this is the right person, this, per- this has the right personality for this role. Let's cast such and such. We'll be back with more from Lea Salonga right after this. Stagecraft is brought to you by the Geffen Playhouse. At once humorous and heartrending, Ironbound spans 22 years to tell the story of Darsha, a Polish immigrant getting by on a cleaning job, aggressive pragmatism, and sheer will. A New York Times critic's pick, 
Ironbound features Tony Award nominee Marin Ireland reprising her off-Broadway role alongside Josiah Banya, Christian Camargo, and Marcel Spears, now on stage through March 4th. Tickets and more at geffenplayhouse.org. And we're back, talking to Lea Salonga, now starring in the critically acclaimed Broadway revival of Once on This Island. Let's talk a little bit about your new album. Oh, came okay. Out, came out in the in the fall. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, tell us about it. Tell us about, uh, it's called Bahagari, yeah? Yeah, Bahagari, um, which is Tagalog for rainbow. Mm-hmm. And it is a song that features quite a few Filipino languages and dialects. The, the song? Just the, the song. Songs. Oh. Different songs. Oh, that in I different Yeah, I wonder languages. If, do are any of the songs do any of the songs include like are there two different languages in a single song? No. Okay, just curious. No, no, no. Right. So how many languages do you sing in on that album? I don't even know. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see. A bulk of the songs are in Tagalog, which is mm-hmm. the language I speak. Yep. And then there's Bisaya or Cebuano. Um and there's Ilongo, Ilocano. Bicolano, Kapampangan. So I think there's like five, maybe. Wow. I'd, have to, I'd have to look at the list, but I think it's five. And, and most of these are languages that, like Ilocano and Bicolano, I do not speak at all. And I wasn't raised around hearing it. Um, Kapampangan was my father's. Hmm. Ilongo is my mom's and Cebuano I kind of can I've I've heard um from people just talking and whatever so those ones I was able to negotiate pretty easily mm. but the other two <laughs> and these are traditional songs so, so tell us about these the are, origin of these songs well I think the origin of these it's it's like I don't always know who wrote a lot of them um does anyone I mean is I, th- that... I think so oh, right. I think if you're a music librarian and I th- and we 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 got a producer named Ryan Kayabiab, mm-hmm. who is extremely knowledgeable in who wrote what and mm. where what came from and which friends to phone mm. while we're in the recording studio and trying to figure lyrics out. So that's that mm-hmm. that was us. And um it was it was it was like so many of these songs were taught to me via oral tradition, whether it's my mom singing Bahai Kubo with me on her lap as a toddler or mm. her singing me to sleep with Ili Ili, which is, which is hers. Also on the album, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and, or learning some of this stuff in music class as a kid or being a young performer and being, you know, placed in a number where you're singing all kinds of traditional Filipino music. So it's, it's, these are things that I would learn from hearing and then just repeating and repeating and singing over and over and over and then of course then it kind of just get etched etched in your mind and and then it's like yeah of course i know how to i know this music and sure i will sing it and it's absolutely fine and it'll be fantastic and we're all going to have a great time and it's for the most part the music is is very has a lilt and yeah it has to be sung with a smile Mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of it's, I mean, Bahai Kubo, it's literally a shopping list of vegetables that are growing around this hut. <laughs> That's what I, I was going to ask you, what some of these songs were about. That's yeah. interesting. And some of them is, some of them are like, it's like there's love and one of them, Pobring Alindaha, which is, I'm like, what does that mean? And somebody's, and, and we got the translation. Oh, it means, oh, you poor, poor dragonfly <laughs> trying to find a place to rest. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> 
oh yeah, and just you know, just kind of blowing in the wind, mm -hmm. yeah. and you just want, just wants to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then this poor little insect is just trying to stop and trying to, to get a little bit of oxygen back into his little body, mm -hmm. and it just makes me feel so bad, to see <laughs> you know. And then there's there's another one where uh, it's called Paru Parum Bukid. Paruparo literally means butterfly. Mm -hmm. And bukid is from the province. Okay. But it's really more like a metaphor for a young girl who is not from the city and who was dressed to the nines in the street, who probably thinks that this is a good idea to mm -hmm. dress herself all the way to the nines. And, and you know, and it's, it's, it's very, some of it's very cute. A lot of it's really cute. And was the impulse behind the album largely one of preservation or what was the... Well, two things. Yeah. Um, first, we were approached by the Global Language Project to create an album of traditional Filipino music as part of a series. Uh, the first one was in Spanish called Coloreando. The second one is Aquarela, which is in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And so Bahaghari is the third. And each of, each of the titles of these albums have something to do with color, whether it's, I think it's Aquarela, I think is watercolor. Mm -hmm. And Coloreando, I'm not so sure, but Bahaghari is a rainbow. Yeah. So there's color in each of these titles for all of these albums. Um, and then once we were approached, then it was like, we have to totally do this. Because a lot of these songs are probably not being passed on anymore or aren't performed as often or heard. So we're like, we're going to do fresh arrangements of all of this music because the traditional stuff sounds very different. Um, I wondered if... That, yeah, yeah, you know, and so there's going to... So the arrange... So, but all of these arrangers are familiar with the music. And so have you done any of that music? Have you... Will there be a live concert version of you doing that music or anything? Or I don't know. Um, I don't think so. The only thing that I'm really hoping is that school teachers get a hand, get their hands on it so that they're able to then play it for for their kids in class make it maybe part of you know Philippine music curriculum and for school kids in countries outside of the Philippines just to give it a listen and see what what music means to someone else in another part of the world um, and for me who kind of does Western musical theater as well as traditional Filipino music and modern Filipino music. It's, you know, for me, it means a lot to be able to sing songs in my native tongue or mm. in a language that's from my country yeah. and be able to kind of play the role of some sort of ambassador to kind of link the West to, you know, the kind of music that I grew up hearing. And so where's home to you? Where do you consider home? Is Manila home? Is uh, New York home? Home is kind of is... where I hang my hat. Yeah, well, and, so that's New York coat. right now, right? Right now, I that's mean... New York. And so when I say I'm going home, it's it's my my apartment in New York City. Uh, but when I'm in Manila, that become, that's home. And where my family is, really, that's where home. My husband and, and my daughter. And are they here with you in New York? Or? No, they're yeah. in Manila. They mm. are, my, my daughter's in school and my husband has work. So... That's far yeah. away. That's not. That's, that's not literally a, halfway around yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to go. That's a that's a week's trip. At if least, I drill right? my a... if I drill down through the center of the earth, I'll probably end up right. somewhere regionally. 
in Asia. Um, and you know, probably be at my house, but it's, 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 it, there is a sacrifice. And my daughter, after having done her first musical, she was in a production How old is of she Matilda. She's, She's 11. 11. Wow. She was in a production of Matilda back home. Oh, wow. Now she understands what it is that mommy does. What role did she play? Oh, she played Alice. She was one of the, yeah. one of Matilda's classmates. Wow. She loved it. <laughs> <laughs> she cried so hard on her very last day. Aww. Total meltdown, poor little one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I totally, she was like, is it always like this? With her, with a big cry and with the tear, the big tears yeah. and the big feelings coming out of and her. And is it? Did, what did you say to her? Did you I say, said, yep. Yeah, I was going like to say, this. the answer is yes, isn't the it? The answer is yes. Every time you close a show, um, it's always like this. There is withdrawal. There is you know, separation, anxiety, there is, you know, having to part from all of these people that you just got used to seeing almost every day. Mm. So it's, it's a huge deal. I'm sure I'm going to have that when I yeah. leave do you, the show. Do you know how long you're in Once on the Island for? Oh, I'm in it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in it for a pretty long while, long for me. Great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm not, I'm not leaving anytime soon. Yeah. So I think audiences can, like fans of mine can rest easy. Right. Yeah. I'll be in it at least. Two seasons changes, and then I'll okay. It'll go. Yeah, yeah. And then, do you know what's next after that? What's on your plate after that? Oh, sleep. Yeah. Um, rest. I think mm -hmm. I'm. I'm. I think I have a bit of a break. Uh, go home, eat all the things, see all my friends. Right. Right. See shows. This is Manila home. This, this is, is Manila is, home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then right. I'll start concertizing again in 2019. Right. Yeah, it's um, true. We haven't talked about you. You tour a lot. It I do. Like. Yeah. I actually do. Do you enjoy it? I actually do. Yeah. Um, and I know, and I tour a lot with my younger brother who serves mm -hmm. as my musical director. And if, he, if, he orchestrated that song that you were just yeah, talking about, right? Uh, yeah. What I, what On I, your I, album. Yeah. Yes. And he's also done, we've, we've worked together for so long. So he can, he, so he pushes me musically. He, he just continues to make things difficult. Um, <laughs> because why, why take the easy path? Right. Um, and if it's going to be musically interesting, and he just continues to grow. Well, currently he's also assistant conductor for the Hong Kong Philharmonic. Oh, wow. So his his boss is Jaap van Sweden, mm -hmm. who is like incoming music director for the New York Philharmonic. Right, right. So when I tell people that that's what he does, mm. especially those who are in the classical music world, they're all just like, Wow. <laughs> right. Yes. I have very impressive family yeah. members. <laughs> right. Right. And he's, he's fantastic and easy to teach and loves to learn. And he's, he's loving, um, getting to work with, um, Maestro von Sweden. So I'm, I'm thankful and, and happy that his, his life and his career has been going exactly the way he's wanted mm -hmm. it to. And so what's the thing that will get you back on Broadway after this? Do you know? I guess it's another show that will, I guess, rock me to my core, not just because of the music, but of what it's what it's trying to say. And well, I don't know when the next one is. For all we know, this could be the last one, but I'm hoping that it's not. But let's see. I mean, I'm 46 now. I'm turning 47 next month. So if there are roles for ladies that are of a certain age, then... Hey, you know, I will gladly. You know who to call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. Thank you, Leah. It was great talking to you. Thank you.
That was Lea Salonga, the theater fan favorite who's currently starring on Broadway in Once on This Island. On the next episode of Stagecraft, I'll be talking to Jake Shears of the Scissor Sisters and Kirsten Maldonado of Pentatonix, the two pop musicians who are stepping into big roles on Broadway in Kinky Boots. Until then, see you at the theater. Stagecraft is brought to you by the Geffen Playhouse. At once humorous and heartrending, Ironbound spans 22 years to tell the story of Darsha, a Polish immigrant getting by on a cleaning job, aggressive pragmatism, and sheer will. A New York Times critic's pick, Ironbound features Tony Award nominee Marin Ireland reprising her off-Broadway role alongside Josiah Banya, Christian Camargo, and Marcel Spears, now on stage through March 4th. Tickets and more at geffenplayhouse.org. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.